Hello and welcome to the Spine and Nerve Podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Hovez. And my name is Dr. Nicholas Carvelis. And today we are going to discuss smoking. We're pain management doctors. We are not pulmonologists or primary care doctors or even cardiologists, which I think are much more invested in the idea of smoking um, because they are much have much better correlations to things that they deal with on a regular basis. But for our patients, a lot of the things that they are warned about from smoking uh, are long-term problems, right? I mean, generally speaking, you're not gonna smoke and get lung cancer that week, that month, that year. Uh, it is an accumulation of over time that things like that start to happen. But one of the things that we do know and have seen is that patients that smoke uh, do have a higher incidence of chronic pain, back pain, um, you know, complex regional pain syndrome, uh, and it makes it much harder to be able to treat these pathologies. And so, you know, I've taken the stance with our patients that, you know, you may understand theoretically that, you know, lung cancer or heart disease or all of these other uh, pathologies are associated with smoking, but much more related to what you go through on a daily basis. If we can help you to stop smoking, it can significantly impact your pain. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we want to start the conversation. And um, yeah. Dr. K. Yeah, and I agree. I think I have a very similar message to our patients, especially I think obviously uh, we we always talk about the low back pain patient because it's such a uh, common uh, presentation uh, to our clinics. And you know, with that patient who is dealing with significant chronic low back pain on a daily basis, I, I do oftentimes uh, uh, tell them when when it does come up that they are. Uh, utilizing uh, uh, tobacco, smoking tobacco, then uh, the usual uh, statement that I'll make to them is, you know, we know uh, there's so much uh, research and data behind the potential for smoking tobacco use to have a negative impact on the heart, the lungs, um, you know, increasing risk of heart disease, increasing uh, uh, risk of cancer. And I think one of the best ways that the patients can really uh, put their mind around it is when you talk about the potential for the use of smoking tobacco to uh, compromise the blood flow um, to the heart and then uh, we take that to their low back and say you know just like you have blood vessels and small blood vessels that go to your heart uh, we also have blood vessels um, and obviously that's you know that uh, the vasculature and the impact on blood flow is not the only thing at play here, but I, like as I said, I think it's a way for patients to really grasp it. Um, but letting them know, you know, just like you have blood vessels going to your heart, you have blood vessels going to your and vasculature going to your spine as well. And when that uh, flow, um, uh, when that uh, supply of the spine is compromised, um, you're going to be increasing your risk of uh, degeneration of the spine and perpetuation of chronic pain states. And so, I think it gives the patient because the uh, and this uh, may be a little bit uh, optimistic on my part, um, but as Dr. Hovis brought up, it's obviously so critical for cardiovascular health and for decreased risk of cancer and all these other processes. Sometimes patients uh, put that off because it's um, not something that they feel on a daily basis, whereas their chronic pain is something that impacts them on a daily basis. So we can use that tool to some degree, um, hopefully, to say, look, you know, you can have a, uh, we know all these decreased risks that can occur, but you can have an impact on your day-to-day -day pain by uh, 
stopping smoking now because obviously a lot of patients say they do want to stop smoking but we as we know it's one of the most difficult things to do to, to completely stop uh, utilizing uh, tobacco and so um, having the uh, added incentive that hey this can have a positive impact on your pain can sometimes be powerful yeah and so um, I want to make sure that we're not offending any pulmonologists or cardiologists um, we are not experts in this area. Uh, we want to give a little bit of an overview and then we're going to really try to pull it back uh, significantly into the pain realm in the things that um, we understand very well. Um, but Dr. K, could you give us a little bit of um, reasoning as to uh, some of the, the, the changes that happen in our body as, uh, as we are smoking? Yeah, and I, I second what Dr. Hovis said, you know, in, uh, in medicine, all we have to go based on is the research that's out there and our clinical experience and thinking about the science behind it. And, and uh, obviously, there's some um, uh, aspects of medicine that we uh, uh, have a very strong background in regards to that. And with smoking tobacco, um, we are, are constantly still striving to learn more and more in regards to that. But as Dr. Hovis said, we are uh, not pulmonologists or uh, cardiologists here. But in terms of smoking's impact on chronic pain, that is something that we are very interested in and constantly evaluating and trying to learn more about. And one of the things that we do know from the research that has been done is that uh, with the use of uh, smoking tobacco, there are specific changes uh, that can occur in the body, uh, including autonomic system dysregulation, uh, inappropriate inflammatory responses, ischemic effects. We talked about the uh, vasoconstrictive state that is uh, that is favored in, in the setting of utilizing uh, chronic smoking tobacco, and then also autoimmune abnormalities uh, are seen as well. And so as I say all those changes, uh, if especially if you've listened to our prior podcast when we talked about complex regional pain syndrome, uh, that should ring a bell because uh, when we think about the proposed theories in regards to the pathophysiology of CRPS or complex regional pain syndrome, there's a lot of similarity there in terms of um, uh, in terms of uh, autonomic dysregulation, in terms of inappropriate uh, inflammatory responses and, and immune responses, and then also this uh, this change in the vascular supply or ischemic effects that can occur uh, due to uh, changes in the sympathetic and and uh, parasympathetic uh, balance, and so. Taking, taking those considerations, we did want to bring up one uh, specific study just that highlights the potential impact of smoking tobacco use on chronic pain. And as we've stated in the past, uh, complex regional pain syndrome is a good uh, disease process to kind of think about chronic pain states in general because uh, we have so much central and peripheral sensitization that uh, occurs in, in complex regional pain syndrome. So it's a good model for us to, to uh, uh, utilize when we're doing research. Um, so this specific study that we want to talk about today is titled The Impact of Tobacco Smoking on Spinal Cord Stimulation Effectiveness in Complex Regional Pain Syndrome uh, Patients. And it, the study was uh, published in Neuromodulation recently in, uh, in 2020 uh, by Dr. Mikhail and colleagues, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing the last name correctly there, but M-E-K-H-A-I-L, and uh, we appreciate your uh, contribution to medicine. Um, and so the objective of this uh, study was to evaluate the correlation between uh, smoking tobacco and spinal cord stimulation effectiveness in regards to the efficacy of pain relief for patients with complex regional pain syndrome. 
So in terms of the quick details in, uh, of how the study was conducted, so this was a retrospective cohort study that included uh, all patients with complex regional pain syndrome that were seen at the Cleveland Clinic between uh, 1998 and uh, 2013. The Patients were divided essentially into three groups, not shockingly, uh, non-smokers, uh, former smokers, and current smokers, um, and all with the uh, uh, primary diagnosis of complex regional pain syndrome. And essentially what the study did was it assessed the association between smoking status and pain levels at certain endpoints, uh, time points being baseline three months, six months, and 12 months. So in terms of the results of the study, the study ultimately included uh, 420 patients. The uh, non-smokers, not shockingly, demonstrated the most significant sustained benefit with baseline pain scores uh, on a VAS score of 0 to 10, baseline pain scores of 7.8, which decreased to 5.2, 4.9, and 4.6, uh, um, respectively, at uh, 3, 6, and, and 12 months. And in contrast, former and uh, current smokers, although they did demonstrate a statistically significant improvement in that first uh, three months, so from the baseline to the three-month uh, endpoint, and, and that decrease was essentially from around 7.5 or so to around 6.5 or so. Um, so both the uh, former smokers as well as the current smokers demonstrate that initial increase, uh, or sorry, initial benefit uh, from the spinal cord stimulation treatment. However, that benefit was not sustained at 12 months. And I would say clinically, uh, we, that's, not, uh, that's not surprising to us because for our patients that do smoke, um, you know, we know that the prognosis for them in terms of their outcomes with interventions, whether that be medication management, uh, image-guided therapeutic procedures, and or uh, minimally invasive interventions, minimally invasive surgeries like spinal cord stimulation, uh, we do worry about that sustained benefit um, or the prognosis for them long-term. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think, you know, seeing a study like this, is it's a very sobering study, honestly, um, because... We're looking at it, and obviously we want to be able to, to treat all of our patients and to, to help them. Um, but to see that something such as smoking, which, you know, unfortunately is, is it, as much as we can, you know, give them information, education, you know, even medication help, is so far out of our hands in terms of, you know, truly, at, at least from my perspective. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm sure that there are specialists out there that are much more adept at helping people to, to stop smoking. Um, that is not something that I understand how to, to do extremely well other than what's uh, in up-to-date. <laughs> um, but, you know, something that's so far out of our hands makes such an impact on the things that we're trying to do to help patients. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's... Um, I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting study, you know, a, a, and a fairly long-term study um, that, you know, hopefully will start to figure out better ways to address these patients. You know, and maybe one of the things that we're going to start seeing is that as technology has evolved, because this is a retrospective study that was looking at, you know, patients from, you know, up to 20 years ago, um, as we start to to see some of the newer technologies that are affecting. Uh, you know, or, or that are providing neuromodulation in different ways, maybe we're going to see, you know, different mechanisms working for these patients better. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's, I think that's, a, it's just a very interesting study to add to the literature. Yeah, and I think there's a couple good points that Dr. Hovis brought up. Number one, we know that the 
efficacy of spinal cord stimulation, especially, for example, for complex regional pain syndrome, with the addition of certain approaches, including uh, DRG, obviously. So maybe that data would look a little bit different, and we know that the, the abilities and the technologies associated with neuro neurostimulation is, is constantly improving. So, uh, you know, keeping that in mind. Uh, but then uh, another, I think another good point to bring up is that which the authors did bring up in their uh, <coughs> evaluation of their own study was that the size of the cohort for the uh, former smokers, so individuals that had uh, stopped smoking, was a relatively smaller size uh, compared to the uh, compared to the uh, non-smokers and the current smokers. So specifically, the non-smokers was uh, 192 patients. The current smokers was 177, whereas the former smokers was a smaller group at 51. And so. Although there was a trend that the former smokers did better uh, than the um, current smokers, there it was not statistically significant. However, if there was potentially a larger study with a larger sample size, especially for that former smoker group, then we may have seen a little bit different results. Because I think that's the, that's the thing, right, is that we want to be able to counsel our patients that if they do stop smoking, then we're going to see statistically significant um, or clinically significant uh, uh, better outcomes for them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a very good point to make, and I'm glad you brought it up. Obviously, I'm glad the the authors uh, mentioned that as well because those difference in uh, in patient size or uh, subject matter size for the study does come into effect because that would be the ideal thing that we see, right? I mean, we, if we can treat these patients, you know, help them to stop smoking, and then therefore have them help them to have better outcomes for their pain as well as you know, we we do have good literature already that's that supports that they're going to have better outcomes you know for the rest of their health problems in the long term from stopping smoking so you know all putting that all together would put a much better um, emphasis on on stopping smoking for the from the patient's perspective yes yeah yeah and and so um, that's that those are the main things that we wanted to uh, bring up today and and uh, we uh, wanted to be fairly quick here with just kind of bringing up a study and bringing up a a concept, and I think the key points from what we discussed today being that we know that um, you know chronic pain, including obviously complex regional pain syndrome, is a very difficult uh, condition to treat. We know that uh, there's a high um, uh, there's a high prevalence of uh, smoking tobacco in our chronic uh, pain po pain uh, patient population, and we know that uh, unfortunately the utilization of smoking tobacco use ha does have a, a significant negative outcome, uh, you know, both in regards to the persistence and the severity of the chronic pain, but also in terms of the impact of our uh, treatments on those, uh, on those individuals. And so, you know, taking all those key points into a conclusion, I think that the more that we can, you know, continue to counsel our patients that not only obviously smoking having a significant positive impact on their overall health, but also their uh, their pain state and just giving them more and more reasons to try to get them as healthy as possible. Absolutely. Uh, and if you have not gone and listened to our episode on complex regional pain syndrome, uh, please do. I think that was a, a fairly uh, good discussion on CRPS and the ways that we can interact with it. Um, Otherwise, uh, thanks again for listening. Leave us a review uh, or give, send us a message and let us know uh, what other topics you'd like us to discuss and stay tuned for those legal disclaimers. Now for that legal disclaimer, this podcast is for information and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be medical advice. 
If anything discussed may pertain to you, please seek counsel with your health care provider. The views expressed are those of the individuals expressing them. They may not represent the views of Spine and Nerve Diagnostic Center.